Welcome to Track Changes, the podcast, the official podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio in New York City. We are based at 101 Fifth Avenue, 10th floor. We are a digital product shop that builds platforms and the apps that ride on top of them. I'm sitting here with my dear friend and co-founder, I was going to, should you say the name right now or should I say it? I That's the think, question. Did you say your own name? See, I mean, that, that speaks to the humility at play here. Okay. Uh, that definitely a quality that people associate with you. Yeah. My, yes, my yes, name you know. is Rich Ciotti. I, my name is Paul Ford. We're the co-founders of Postlight and boy, Postlight is a great company. I got to tell you. That's, there you go. I That's know soft, raspy voice. Full disclosure. I'm a co-founder of Postlight, yeah. but. As am I. Yeah. But taking that aside, boy, can we just solve problems for you. For instance, what if you need to build a platform to track millions of people's accounts around healthcare or finance or or people who log into media? Things that affect people's lives. Yeah, we can do that. We can definitely do that. (laughs) We can do it securely. We can do it with best practices. We can do it in really fast, scalable ways that are very, very modern. So that's what Postlight does. So we're talking to a really interesting product person. Today. Well, a young founder. A founder, um, that's right. Co- a, co-founder. A, a co-founder of a, of a product we really like and use. Um, that's right. And we don't often get that sort of guest. So we've got Andrew Ofstad with us on Track Changes. Let's talk to this guy. Andrew, welcome to Track Changes. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me. I'm a fan of the podcast and, and happy to be on it. Typically, we look for interesting guests that we think will be great on the podcast. This one is actually born out of us being fans of Airtable. Not that you won't be interesting and great on the podcast. No, you. It will be <laughs> both. It will be both things. So we increasingly run our business on your product. Yeah. So before great. we yeah, talk any you. further, can you assure us that this thing's going to stick around? <laughs> There's a lot of data on there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We we sort of have a pretty long term vision for the company, and it's it's great to hear that you're you're making uh, such great use out of it. Tell everyone what it is. Yeah, so Airtable is a is a database, but it's not kind of like a programmer database. It's somewhere between a database and a spreadsheet. So for a non programmer, a normal user, they can go in and use Airtable to really just organize their work their way. So it feels a lot like a spreadsheet, but it's kind of built around keeping track of things, whether it be tasks or projects or uh, people kind of in more CRM use cases. Uh, Whatever it is, it's kind of like a a way for you to kind of structure your information uh, for your very specific use case. And it's basically people build, you know, business workflows. They organize all their projects, organize events, all sorts of things, editorial calendars, UX research feedback, and Airtable. And uh, yeah, it's just like a very user-friendly way for people to kind of create their own personal business applications in a way that doesn't require code. Cool. We'll come back to Airtable and talk a little bit about our experience with it. But we want to take you back to your childhood. Well, we don't have to go all the way back to childhood. Yeah. But give us the three and a half minute story from college. Where'd you go to school? So actually going back a little bit further, I grew up in rural Montana and I'd always been interested in computers and programming and I really wanted to make video games. 
So going into college, I sort of like had a background in programming just because I, you know, got into a little bit of game programming, that type of thing. But I decided I wanted to sort of study electrical engineering and, and take a little bit of a different direction to kind of understand how things work at a lower level. And also, like, I had this notion that I didn't want to spend my whole life in front of a computer just kind of like silently typing away, which was a pretty big misconception. Like, basically, any work you do nowadays, you're on a computer and, and uh, you're, you're working with software. But, yeah, so I went into school studying electrical engineering and economics because I was also interested in, in kind of the business side. Just kind of ended up at Duke University. I had, I had a friend that went there who had great things to say about it, and I just kind of applied to, to schools all over the country and, and more or less just ended up there. Uh, I kind of was kind of like into a change. And that's actually where I met my two co-founders for Airtable, a real old college friend, sort of like the, you know, Duke University startup nerds back in the day when it wasn't nearly as big of a thing as it was to go off and do a startup and work in tech. You know, everybody was working in finance consulting those days. So I sort of bonded over people who had similar interests in technology and, and startups and products and that type of thing uh, in, in college. And before Airtable, where were you and what were you doing? So I was at Google before Airtable. I started at Google in 2009 as a product manager. So I actually worked at another job before that for a year, but I was still pretty fresh out of college. And Google has this program called the Associate Product Manager Program, where they take these new college grads with no experience, just kind of like toss them into into the deep end. So for me, my first project was on Android. And they just kind of like threw me into this team and said, you know, hey, you're a product manager for the social apps on Android is kind of back in the day when, you know, Facebook and Twitter weren't actually building Android apps because nobody cared back then because nobody used Android. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild, actually. Like, thinking back, you know, it was like right before the Droid launched. And so Android was just kind of like this experimental Google thing. And we had to have all the apps on it that Apple had. We decided ourselves to kind of build out the Twitter and Facebook apps. And they let us borrow their branding, work with some of their designers and that type of thing. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but you sort of like quickly <laughs> pick that stuff up, you know, just trial by fire. It's a great so. experience, I have to imagine. Yeah, totally. Um, so that was my first role. And then I was on Google Maps for two and a half years after that. Kind of worked on a complete redesign of Maps based on some new kind of WebGL technology that a team had developed up in Seattle that sort of made its way into the, the main product over the course of a few years. I like that idea, by the way, of just throwing people in out of school and seeing what sticks because product management is so weird. Yeah. Sometimes people just pick it up and just run. Yeah. You can do that when you're Google. Because you the, the, the risk is relatively yeah. low. You're going yeah. like, oh, well, this person might succeed yeah. a little better elsewhere. Right. Are yeah. there like dead bodies piled up in the back of the building? I think it's it's actually been a really successful program. I mean, I'm sure like they take a little bit of a hit. They're not actually that productive in a lot of cases, but they train their kind of like next generation of leaders that way. Mm-hmm. But I think Google, they used to, for product managers, hire kind of more experienced MBAs and more people that had been in the industry for a while. And I think they generally found that Google operated so differently at the time than other companies. It was this very flat hierarchy. You sort of didn't really have real authority. You sort of had to kind of just lead the product by more like influence. And it was, it was kind of like an interesting culture that wasn't very common in other companies. So I think they found that it was actually easier to get somebody fresh out of college and was kind of more like moldable to the Google culture mm-hmm. than it was to find somebody with a lot of industry experience or somebody with a MBA who sort of had all these preconceived notions. Right. So I think generally they found that like after a couple of years, the APMs turned out to be like very good product managers and, and fit in very well with Google culture. So I think it's, it's kind of an experiment. They just tried out and it ended up working pretty well. It's very cool. Yeah, and it's still going on today. And I think, you know, Facebook has a very similar program that's led by former Google APM. So it's kind of like 
trickled into other tech companies and become mm-hmm. more of a common thing. But I think back then it was pretty uncommon to hire somebody as a product manager fresh out of school. So get us to what makes you, you know, at what point did you say, I need to build a database that looks like a spreadsheet? Everybody's got that idea, that the big capital idea. I idea. And they think about, yeah. okay, I'm going to do this and this is going to change the world and it's going to change my life and it's going to change everybody's life. Good season tickets. That's what, you know, start planning. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, 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 you're at the job, right? You've got, you know, you've planned yeah. your two week vacation to Hawaii and, and it's, it's the, not to say it's horrible. You're probably doing well. And, but everybody stews on that uh, idea, capital I. And so talk to us about your process for taking the lead. I mean, did you leave out of Google into and starting Airtable? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, I, I love my job at Google and I sort of was pretty happy there. So kind of going back to the idea and how we sort of started on that path, myself and my co-founder, Howie, we, as I said, we went to college together and um, as well as our third co-founder, Emmett, and we sort of always bounced ideas back and forth. So while I was at Google, we were actually roommates and we were always talking mm-hmm. about things we wanted to work on and areas of interest and that type of thing. And one one thing like at the time at Google, especially that really interested me was... Um, you know, as a, as a product manager and I worked with designers and I was, I always like had these ideas and had these features I wanted the team to build. And for me, the best way to sort of communicate those things was to kind of create a design, create a mock and, and have some visual way to sort mm-hmm. of like share the idea with people. Sure. So I, I was always like in awe of these designers who could go into Photoshop, which was this crazy complicated tool and had these amazing skills to pr- produce these beautiful mocks. And I was sort of like jealous of that and be like, I just want to be able to do that myself. Mm-hmm. I discovered these tools like Fireworks and Sketch, which kind of like lowered the barrier so much for that type of creative expression yep. that it made it just completely accessible to me as, as somebody who hasn't spent a lot of time training on Photoshop. So I kind of became interested in the space of these creative tools that made it, you know, 10 times easier for the normal person to go in and do something mm-hmm. that previously only sort of like an expert or a programmer or like a designer could do. So at the time, I was kind of exploring ideas for, you know, a website builder, ways that can make average people be able to kind of create a website that only programmers could do before. Simultaneously, my co-founder, Howie, uh, he'd started a company that was acquired by Salesforce. And when he was there, he sort of had this this insight, which I think is pretty common, but it's it's interesting from his perspective, because you can really see that a company can actually build a incredibly valuable company off of just a kind of a flexible database. So that's more or less what Salesforce is with like a bunch of marketing and, and that type of thing on top of it. Mm-hmm. But the real critical thing there was it's this database that you can customize to fit the exact need of your company mm-hmm. and your team. Um, but it's like completely inaccessible to anybody else. Right. And the roots are actually Oracle, right? Didn't Mark Benioff come out of Oracle? Yeah, he exactly. Did. Yeah, he came out of Oracle. I think he was an SVP at Oracle, um, you know, definitely had the sales part down. And sort of Salesforce, I think, was like the cloud version of that, right? And, so, and understood how important databases are in companies. Yeah. The tweak there was he brought Oracle CRM to the web. You right. didn't have this massive right. installation. Or a giant like SAP, Oracle-backed, whatever. Oracle backed, exactly. whatever. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So exactly, yeah. it sounds like you're going and getting drinks with your friends and brainstorming ideas, which is not uncommon, right? You've got the day job, but then you can't help it, right? You can't help drawing different ideas out on the back well, of an Is it drinks? Where are you doing your brain? It could be soup. I don't want to yeah. judge. Yeah. yeah. Well, we live together in an apartment. So yeah, my co-founder, Howie, actually did this YC company called Etax. And it was him and his co-founder in our apartment, just, you know, hacking all night. I go into the living room and there are kind of monster energy drinks everywhere and somebody crashing the couch. And so I was kind of <laughs> like, 
living in their crazy startup apartment, which was a lot of fun. But then he sold that to Salesforce and to, we both had the startup bug, you know, like I enjoyed Google a lot and it was a great opportunity. I loved working on the team, but I also, there are parts of it that I didn't enjoy sort of like the larger company stuff and just like going to meetings with people on other teams. I actually just really wanted to get back to, first of all, like doing the design stuff and actually programming again and just kind of doing hands-on uh-huh. building product myself yep. to both kind of build up those skills and just because I love that type of work. And so we're both just kind of in this place where we we're at these bigger companies. We're like, yeah, this is great. It's a good job. But we're kind of itching to just get back to just building stuff, you know? And I think we both knew that like the industry was doing pretty well. The, I was pretty young and just like, whatever, you know, it's like the worst that's going to happen is it's all like, you know, spend a couple of years in this thing or whatever. And like, you can just get another job. So yeah, it seemed like for me, the risk was pretty low and we just kind of like decided to leave our jobs at the same time and just kind of start working together in a limited capacity at first. And then uh, just kind of like built, built it up from there. So then at some point you decide you're going to start Airtable. What was it called at first? Was it always Airtable? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a great question. We've, we've gone through a lot of names. Um, oh, we'd we love to at, hear. Tell us some of the bad yeah. ones. Well, our, our company name, actually, the name we're incorporated under is uh, Formagrid Incorporated. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, one of those names, you know, Formagrid Heavy Industries or something like that. But um, <laughs> the initial product name in sort of our early alpha, you know, demo stage, we, we called it Forma. And I'm not really sure what the genesis was. Is you know, some aspect of like form mm-hmm. um, and like That's forming things no, and good. forming software. When, when you end with the vowel, it's a little warmer and welcoming. Yeah. That's true, yeah. So it kind of had an approachable feel. We, uh, we couldn't buy the, that domain. And there was another company called Forma, which, you know, had it trademarked and everything else. So that was kind of a non-starter for an official name. We spent a long time just trying to figure out a name. We had all sorts of crazy stuff around. Uh, actually, some of them involved like uh, the word track. So uh, I, I've always appreciated the track changes. That's actually, a, I feel like, a, a very good name that's like, you know, you. makes a lot of sense for what you guys talk about. But um, yeah, we, we basically just made this huge list of different kind of words and combined them in different ways and then like did domain searches. Eventually, we sort of came up with the word table as kind of a a core metaphor for our product that we thought would be a good part of a name. For a while, we tried to buy the domain name table.com. This is after we had raised some seed funding, but it was way too expensive and we had all these issues with it. So we looked down the list and saw Airtable and sort of had this feeling of something that's lightweight and a table is like this thing where people work together around something and it's also like the actual table metaphor for like the way you store information in the product sort of made sense. We've been very happy with the name since then. It's a great name. I like it. Yeah, thanks a lot. And you know, there's there's not a lot of products that are named that and it's it's uh, pretty unique. So when you search for Airtable, you know, we're going to pop up, not a bunch of other random things. If, if we would have gotten like Table or something, like there's a million things that could have popped up in the search engine. Well, it's a pretty big brand signal, right? Because databases are heavy and important yeah. and hang out at the bottom of things. Right. And so to say like Airtable, you're saying this is a light yeah. database. Yeah. Also, I'm going to guess that a real home run for you guys is someone that doesn't know what a database is. They just found this to be a really cool way to organize their stamp collection. Yeah, totally. Um, we sort of wanted to make it very friendly and approachable, like both the kind of name and the marketing and the actual product itself. So yeah, I think you're right. Like Airtable has this lightweight feel. We took a lot of cues from a, something like a spreadsheet where you just go in, you can start quickly entering data. 
like all the interactions are very fast and fluid. You can sort of quickly select a bunch of stuff and delete it and edit it and that type of thing. So yeah, I think, I think it worked out okay. But we we definitely, um, you know, with the naming, we agonized over that for, you know, a long, long time. And <laughs> it's never easy. Right. So when did it launch? And do you remember who your first customer was who was a stranger? Yeah. So we sort of did like a slow beta rollout and we kind of built the product as like a demo that was pretty hacky and it like didn't really persist anything to a real database. So it was just kind of like purely a demo. We started rolling it out to uh, a customer we knew as a nonprofit in San Francisco. They were sort of like our flagship customer. It's a nonprofit called Scholar Match. It's a great program. But they started using it and, and it was really rough in the early days. And we sort of go back and forth with them and do user studies and just kind of, you know, built the product up from there and iterated on it and built it for them and basically ourselves. You did something really smart here, right? You gave it out to one organization and you watched very, very carefully. That's, is that something you learned at Google? I mean, it, it is to a certain extent. We would, you know, do a lot of user studies, but Google, you have this advantage where, you know, first of all, you can sort of test a product with internally with, you know, a lot of people within the company. So that's one thing. I think we just just knew that the goal of the product was to build something that really lowered the usability bar of this really complex technology and made it, you know, dead simple for somebody who's not a programmer to be able to under first of all understand what a database is and then a really efficient, you know, easy way to be able to interact with it and actually kind of create their own database. So, I mean, the problem with with just building it for ourselves is that we were programmers and we understood databases and these concepts were familiar to us. So it was really hard to kind of test whether we're being, we're actually successful in our, in our endeavor without having somebody external who is somebody who doesn't understand those concepts to tell us whether we're on the right, right track. Right. It's huge. So I think it was, yeah, it was more just kind of from first principles. We just knew that we had to have a yeah. lot of customer feedback, especially in the early days when we we're agile and could quickly change the product. Sure. Very smart. I want to spend the next hour to hour and a half talking about Microsoft Access. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds um, great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'll speak personally for one second. Um, I learned a lot about the concepts behind databases. First off, it would just install. Like if you installed Office... It came on a CD. It was just another checkbox. So you yeah. get, you get, yeah. one, you get yeah. Excel and Word and PowerPoint and then there's this Access. They just threw it in. And I didn't yeah. know what it was. It was just put up this workspace and there were just, it was so bizarre to me. And then I started to understand it and I fell in love. And I think they, the spirit of access is very similar to what you were aiming for, which is to lower the barrier mm -hmm. to create a way to put information away in an organized way, in a relatable way, uh, without having to code. I eventually started to peel it back and I learned SQL because I just was curious. Yeah. But for many people who use Access, it's just, that's it. It's point and click. Did you think about Access? I mean, Access is sort of the desktop comparison to Airtable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Access and, and then FileMaker is sort of the Apple version of yeah, that. Yeah, sure. And I mean, they're both, they're both very successful products in their own right. I think, you know, in the Microsoft suite, they were kind of eclipsed by Excel because, um, I mean, first of all, I think there are kind of political reasons in Microsoft that that happened. But I think back in that day, if you kind of opened up Excel and you opened up Access for a normal end user and you looked at them side by side, in Excel, you'd just be like, oh, great, I can just start typing and entering things in this mm -hmm. easy visual table. Yep. 
in Excel, you sort of like open it up and you have to configure this thing called a schema. And you're like, what's the schema? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. There's these <laughs> diagrams you have to set right. up. Yeah. You know, it's not just as easy. You still have to kind of know, first of all, why you need a database and why you can't just type into this table. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of have to get past the barriers. You know, it's just, it wasn't a... I mean, I, I think people could figure it out, but yeah, it was still it the, wasn't a very intuitive UI. Yeah, it was a steep. It was a, still a steep hill, but it was sort of a. I mean, for nerds like us, it was a wonderful baby step. You got to play without installing servers and and all that silliness. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, you know, going back even further, I think the original like computing pioneers always thought of like the productivity suite as like the document editor, the the spreadsheet, which is more like numerical analysis, calculations, modeling. And then the database is where, like, you know, you keep your information in a very structured way. And it's just kind of like uh, kind of historical accident that the database kind of fell off as, as mm-hmm. a big part of the average person's productivity toolkit. I, I want to continue on the, I have a great idea, I want to start a company narrative. I think it's really interesting. Sure. You had that idea, you took the leap, you lucked out in that you were sharing an apartment with a, a couple of other people who sort of have done it. So they had some experience around what you're going to have to navigate when you spin out there, right? Like raising money, even seed money or whatever else you mm-hmm. had to do, incorporating, all that silliness. So you solve some problems, you keep iterating and it starts to take hold. There's a couple of things that end up happening, right? I, I don't know your exact details. I'm assuming you raised more money. Yeah. So we, um, we raised a seed round, which was a pretty large seed round, a um, couple million uh, and then it's a big that seed, actually, Andrew. Yeah, it's big. It's a big seed. Um, so that was that was just off of you know basically built the product and had a really killer product we could show to investors and had you know just a few customers that were really into it. So right. that's a really uh, important mostly, detail. You had a product already. A lot of times people seek out that seed with a PowerPoint or a two pager. So you had something. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the early days of the company were just building building that demo, building that kind of V0 that we could, mm-hmm. first of all, I mean, it, it's such an abstract idea. Like, yeah. Without actually playing with it, I think it's hard for people to kind of see what we're trying to do. Yep. So I don't think we would have been able to do get a seed round and kind of build the company without just kind of building a product to start with, you know? Mm-hmm. So you raised that seed. Did you do any hiring? Yeah, so we kept a pretty slim team. We hired a few engineers, but we sort of knew that there were kind of key things like usability things and key changes and like the entire kind of architecture of the software that we need have to kind of completely rewrite. And so it's one of these things where hiring more engineers wouldn't actually necessarily speed up the pace of our development. So we actually just kind of kept a team of four or five of us just very working very closely, just writing software for, you know, a uh, year and a half, two years and just cranking oh, on wow. it and listening That's... to customer feedback. I mean, we had we had beta customers and we had people using the product, but it was a very, very iterative approach. And I think different than a lot of startups that will just kind of like throw something out there. And, you know, if it's not growing crazy exponential fast and in like, a, you know, a few weeks, they pivot to something else. We were sort of always pretty attached sure. to the broader vision of the product and uh-huh. just knew that we had to put in a lot of effort and sweat in order to get it to the place where it, it actually hit the minimum MVP required for, for a lot of people. Okay. When did you start Airtable? We started working on it just kind of off and on in late 2012. So it's, oh. it's been a, you know it's been a long time working on yeah. the product. We incorporated in early 2013, mm-hmm. raised our seed round partway through 2013, and sort of sort of went from there. So 
definitely hasn't been an overnight success. It's been a, a long time just building the product, yep. uh, figuring out the marketing, everything else. It's a great lesson, really, for people out there who want to... It, it, you're just not going to snap your fingers and have an atomic bomb on your hands. It takes work. You're going to get humbled by it, right? Well, and I mean, it's, it's worth pointing out, right? Like, this is one of the big ideas... Like there's access, there's FileMaker. Mm-hmm. There have been historically attempts to kind of merge the the spreadsheet database world for probably 30, 40 years now, yep. or since there were spreadsheets. Yep. And so you're not going to be able to just sort of stumble in and be like, check this out. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, people use spreadsheets yeah. for a lot of this. I mean, it's. I mean, are spreadsheets your competitor here? Yeah, I think in, in a lot of cases they are, and and that's that's kind of the thing that made it so that we can just quickly build an MVP and see if it works. You know, it's like the alternative is a spreadsheet, which is incredibly powerful. People are, are used to it. It's status quo product. So, so we knew we had to build something that's pretty sophisticated and, and pretty like, you know, feature rich in order for it to be kind of comparable to that. So yeah, I would say spreadsheets are kind of like a main competitor for ours. Um, you know, obviously we, people use our product in a lot of different kind of specific verticals you know, like editorial calendars, project management, video production. So in each of those kind of verticals, we have a few competitors, some of them very kind of hard-coded, you know, vertical-specific sure. applications. Yep. But a lot of times people, you know, are doing something where there's not like a good piece of vertical software, or if it is, it doesn't really quite match what they need to actually do. Mm-hmm. So they have sort of a custom workflow they need to build. And the options for them are like try to manage this really messy spreadsheet, which isn't structured that well. It's just kind of like a bunch of text and yep. numbers in this giant, you know, grid of cells. Mm-hmm. Or you you try to find a very specific vertical solution, which doesn't quite fit your use case. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you, you know, build some software internally. You hire some developers and they come in and collect specs from the people who actually know about the use case. Right. So, um, you know, Airtable is a way for people to actually like they know the spec of the thing they're trying to build and they can actually yep. do that in Airtable Very empowering. and uh, do it themselves. Yeah. So it's like, the, I think, yeah, I think uh, you're right though. It's kind of like the, the magnitude of the opportunity, I think kind of drove us as well um, mm-hmm. as opposed to something. Yeah. I think we're, we're all just really psyched about the vision and the product and the whole space. So I think that kind of led us to, to, to a point where we could invest a lot of our, our time and, and energy into the, to the product. What's the most surprising thing your users have done? That's a great question. I do think it's like one of the most exciting parts of working on a product like ours is so kind of horizontal in nature is you just like have no idea how somebody's going to use the product. You know, we have a lot of interesting use cases, like actually a lot of cattle farmers use us to track like their cattle and like all the moving parts of their farm, which I thought is interesting. Uh, just like a lot of people have random collections or just so detailed and like quantified over how they live their lives. Like for example, people will have these cheese trackers. Will they have like every type of treat cheese they've ever tasted? All the information about it, like you know how stinky the cheese is, and a bunch of stuff like that. And it's just like wow, people really obsess about these things, and it's so awesome that they are like keeping this catalog of this information, and then like going and sharing it with the world through Airtable. So there, there's all sorts of random stuff that people keep track of sort of on a personal basis. Very cool. People creating uh, movies and television shows and that type of thing. Like a lot of creative output is kind of backed by an Airtable uh, database in a lot of cases. But also just a lot of old fashioned, like obsessive human behavior too. Oh yeah. Exactly. Hoarders. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hoarders yeah. are on there. Great. Um, so yeah. my little baby story, um, we were using a web-based CRM and uh, we hit a wall. 
we needed a couple of things it couldn't do and it was hard to get there and it was it was it's a little bit clunky and there was another thing it did which is it read all our email and it was actually really hard to turn that off <laughs> yeah it's freaking oh, us out a little bit yeah. it's very sort of integrated with everything and but not in a way that yeah. you felt you could control and we jumped yeah. to Airtable for our pipeline and for CRM. One uh, of our product managers, Cody Cohen, just took it, went and, and said, let's give it a shot. Yep. And it, it's worked great since. So that's that's our endorsement. You, you've built a really, really cool product and it appeals to nerds and you're aiming for the non-nerds, which is great. Which who sound like they're finding it or at least people, you know what I think it is? It's people who are nerds, but not necessarily around technology. Exactly, right? exactly. And that's Obsessive a vast, about other things. that's a vast market. Well, congratulations on your success so far and uh, good luck in the future. This has been really fun to talk to. Yeah, it's true. Awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a good one. Well, look, it it doesn't get more simple than that. It's it's a smart, smart, talented people building products that they care deeply about over time. And it's a good idea. That you can have all of that and have a really bad idea. This is a really cool idea. it's It's a really understood idea that's been around for a while that was very well executed. I think that's a great one. That's the thing, right? Like people have said spreadsheets, people use them as databases too often. Why don't they use more databases forever? I've got one that is effectively an old school competitor. Zoho, like Zoho, there's there's a suite of tools. But also there's... No, but there's one that's called Zoho database or something. Yeah, and there's Visual Fox Pro 2. Yeah, there's stuff on the web, but these guys really nailed it pretty elegantly. But what you hear is execution, okay, two years, mm-hmm. you Not know, easy. Um, um, an advanced team. Yeah. And a lot of work and an unbelievable amount of testing and accepted failure along the way. Yep. Great, great set of bullets there if you want to do yeah, that. Yeah, just sort of months of despair leading to a successful release. All right, let's, we have to paint a dire picture here, Paul. <laughs> well, thank you to Andrew for coming on the show. Really appreciated having you. And you've all been listening to Track Changes, the podcast post-light at Digital Product Studio in New York City at 101 Fifth Avenue. You know, if you want to talk to Postlight about anything, send an email to hello at postlight.com. If you want to go and give us five stars on the iTunes, iPod, iNano store, do that. Yeah. Rich, we got to get back to the office and get some work done. Have a lovely week.